This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. Made in America. Let me start off. Let me start off with two words. This is the Rubin Report. How you doing, people? I was gagging on coffee as I said hello to you. <laughs> I'm okay now. It's October 12, 2022. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Subscribe. Get the notifications. Whatever you got to do. Uh, should tell you, people, we just found out that yesterday was our biggest day in channel history. Some people are saying there's a rumor going around town that yesterday was our best show ever. Who am I to confirm nor deny this rumor. I'm just saying that's what the people are saying out there. So uh, appreciate all the support. Good things are happening. Uh, and speaking of good things, uh, this is actually remarkable. Uh, so, you know, this, this horrific, basically Category 5. It was a Category 4, one tick away from Category 5 hurricane, hit Southwest Florida about 10 days ago, absolutely decimated the Barrier Islands, Fort Myers Beach, Naples area moved up a little bit, but just true destruction, but, but in true Florida fashion. And, and thanks to our extremely competent governor and just everybody all the way down, uh, this state is rebuilding fast, super fast. People have electricity already. They've got running water. They're already rebuilding houses and roads and the cleanup's been amazing. I mean, trust me, the media wanted to take out DeSantis because of this thing. Charlie Crist, the clown who's running a basically a fake campaign for governor uh, against Governor DeSantis, he would have loved for a slip up or a death or something. The administration wanted DeSantis to screw something up, but it has just been airtight Perfect, truly remarkable what's going on here in Florida. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that they rebuilt, there's a small bridge, r roughly small bridge, that goes to Pine Island from the mainland, which they rebuilt in three days. Well, then I saw this video yesterday. This is absolutely incredible. This is the three mile bridge from Fort Myers to Sanibel that was crushed in about four different sections and they have rebuilt it. There are supply trucks going to the island right now. And uh, I've talked often about how much I love Sanibel and how much it means to me. And I just wanted to show you this because the point of this is that when you have competent leadership, when you have good people, when you have a mission and direction and you hire people based on competency and all of those things, we can still get anything done here in America. Or I should, I guess, say we can still get anything done here in Florida. So I'm, I'm just so, I saw that my heart was warm. Like I am so proud to be, be a Floridian. Uh, and as I mentioned, right when the hurricane happened, I'm gonna go to Sanibel for a couple of days. I'm already in touch with a couple of venues. I found out that one of my favorite restaurants is still standing. We're gonna try to do some shows from there and put on a party and a fundraiser and all that. So we'll have more info on that. But I just thought it would be a great way to set up today's show because it's just, it's just a beautiful thing that, that, you know, disasters happen, horrible things happen, uh, but humans are freaking resilient. And that place, and not just that place, Fort Myers Beach and Naples and the other barrier islands, they will be rebuilt. They will figure out new ways through engineering to build structures higher, 
more uh, with more defenses against these hurricanes, and uh, and it's just a beautiful thing, and it shows you that things can work. Things still can work despite it all, people. Uh, but today, that's not the theme of the show today. The theme of the show today uh, is a bit about this uh, Ukraine-Russia fiasco and really how it's interwoven with the Democrats sort of screwing up everything on every front. Thus, what do they have to do? They either have to censor us or call us racist. You know, I have not done a tremendous amount on the Russia-Ukraine situation. The 101 of it is Russia, which is a sovereign nation, invaded Ukraine, which it was a former Soviet Republic, but is now a uh, sovereign nation. You can't just invade another country. As you know, the entire world turned against Russia. They kicked the Russian hockey team off of the PlayStation hockey game. Connor, do you, do you play the, I know you're the PlayStation guy, right? You don't play the hockey game. What are you playing? What are you playing? You're playing baseball. You're playing baseball. I don't think Russians play baseball, so I think you're good in that department. Anyway, the, we're going to dive into a little bit about what's going on here because not only, as you know, uh, we are giving crazy amount of money, billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. We don't know where that money is going. You may remember one of my interviews with Rand Paul over the last two months regarding, uh, could we maybe get some receipts on this stuff? You know, if you lend, if you lend a friend some money, you might want to know when the where the money's going and what it, when it's coming back to you. Um, we're obviously not getting any of the money back and we don't even have the money in the first place, but money, we're giving them weapons. Uh, it's like, who are we giving the, the money and the weapons to? It's a, it's a big freaking fiasco. And uh, by the way, that, that Putin guy, not a good guy, uh, and also has nukes. Uh, so are we just sort of teetering off into oblivion here? Uh, that's what we're gonna be discussing today. And then some media reaction. And, and I'll show you a little bit what happens when you try to talk about uh, maybe not going to war. Let's see how the media treats you. Uh, real quick, guys, let's talk about fast growing trees, then we will get to it. I don't know about you, but I spend a ton of time making my house feel like home indoors and out. And that's why I love fastgrowingtrees.com. Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. The experts at Fast Growing, Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. I love Fast Growing Trees. Uh, as you guys know, we just moved here to Florida. We just put up a whole bunch of citrus trees and I am loving it. And we've got an avocado plant and a mango tree. Loving it. Uh, I can't recommend them enough. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Now through October 15th, a couple days from now, 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so what's going on here with this Russia... Ukraine thing. Uh, well, uh, let's give you a little insight from the Daily Wire as to how Joe Biden's handling this Russian invasion of, again, another sovereign country. And you really can't do that in international relations. President Joe Biden warned that Russian President Vladimir Putin was not joking about using nuclear weapons in Ukraine as the Russian military, which was widely viewed as the second most powerful military in the world before the war, is suffering battlefield losses in Ukraine. We have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis, Biden said, adding that we have a direct threat of the use of nuclear weapons if in fact things continue down the path they are going. 
Biden's remarks come as a Russian military train is reportedly transporting equipment for the nation's nuclear weapons program to the front lines of its war with Ukraine, sparking fears that Putin could be preparing to use nuclear weapons. Okay, so it's a little unclear whether that caravan was actually carrying nuclear weapons, but the fact that the elderly man pretending to be president said the word Armageddon and is raising alarms about a nuclear war, uh, this is, as the kids say, problematic. Um, did any of you sign up for this? Is anyone really sure what's going on there? And really sure, I know I'll probably get kicked off YouTube and Twitter for this, whether Zelensky is a good guy or not. Do we know where the money is going? Are we actually at war now? If we are funding a war, right, we're handing them the cash and then they're buying all the weapons and we're sending them weapons and all the proxies have weapons. Are we at war? Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, for us to be in war, the way it's supposed to work is that Congress has to declare war, the president signs off on it and then we go to war. We've done none of that related to all of this. I don't want to be in a war. I would also prefer not to have a nuke dropped on America or on Ukraine. Uh, and this is part of the problem. All of these people that were so excited, so excited to say, Putin, you bad man, and he is a bad man. He's an authoritarian. He censors his own people. He stifles dissent, all of those things. By the way, Zelensky, when he took over in Ukraine, he got rid of all the opposition parties. So he's not such a great dude either. But okay, all of that, let's just, we don't have to get into the minutia of everything related to Russia and Ukraine. The point is that suddenly, we are talking about Armageddon and nuclear war. And you know, one of the things is when the guy with the nukes is losing and, and feels like he's cornered, uh, he's still got the nukes. So all of these people that are running around, you know, in the last two weeks, it's suddenly like, see, Russia's military is falling apart and they're taking all these losses and they're going to lose. And it's like, uh, well, you know, they still got the, the big gun. <laughs> you guys, uh, we're going to talk about that or no? Anyway, what's happening now is there seems to be this new move where if you say anything about, hey, maybe let's not go to World War III, maybe nu dropping nukes isn't the best idea, maybe let's try to de-escalate this situation, uh, then you get called a Russian stooge. I mean, we went through this, a lot of this with Trump, right? You're, you're a Putin patsy and the rest of it. So Elon Musk, and you guys, of course, all know Elon Musk, our modern Renaissance man who's sending uh, you know, cars out into space, literally sent a Tesla out into space to orbit around the earth and building electric cars down here and burrowing under Los Angeles to build tunnels and all of these things and Starlink and Neuralink and all of the stuff. Uh, well, he put out a tweet uh, regarding what a Russia-Ukraine peace deal could look like. So let's put this up. So he put this up as a poll and, then, and the reaction to it is super interesting. So here's what he proposed or here's, here's what he's offering in the poll. Redo elections of annexed regions under UN supervision. Russia leaves if that's the will of the people, meaning if Russia annexes certain things, but the people in those areas want to be part of mother Russia and the UN signs off on it, then, then we all just kind of let it go and the borders are a little bit different. Putin gets a little bit of a win and, and that's it. Okay, uh, the other option is Crimea, formerly part of Russia as it has been since 1783 until Khrushchev's mistake. Uh, water supply to Crimea assured, Ukraine remains neutral. So these are what he's putting out there as like, oh, maybe this is a peace deal that will make sense. There's some annex stuff. Uh, Crimea is back to Russia. The water makes sense. And Ukraine isn't technically at war with Russia anymore. So this, he put this poll up and it got 2.7 million votes. And again, Twitter is not a perfect place for any of these things, obviously. 
but that's not really what this is about. A 60% of the people that responded said, no, this is not good enough. Now that's sort of interesting. Uh, but now you may remember when I chatted with uh, Bill Maher a couple, well, it was about a week and a half ago, but it just was released two days ago. Um, one of the things I mentioned is how the machine seems to always want war, right? And there's per certain people that always suck up to the machine. And in that specific case, I was talking about Stephen Colbert. So anyway, watch what I'm going to do here. No, that wasn't a total non sequitur. Elon Musk puts out this, I, I, it was just an idea. He's just polling people. Does this sound roughly like an idea for peace? Well, here is machine comedian, corporate comedian, Stephen Colbert going off on Elon for asking whether we could have peace. Yesterday, Elon floated an insane new plan to end the war in the most Elon Musk way possible via Twitter poll. So Russia gets everything they want, but in exchange, Ukraine gives Russia everything they want. <laughs> Sounds like the kind of plan the Kremlin would thank him for, which could be why shortly after, the Kremlin thanked him for it. <laughs> really seems like Musk is doing Russia's bidding here. Explains why his latest model Tesla is potato. <laughs> Top Ukrainian officials clapped back at Musk's poll. Ukraine's ambassador to Germany responded, off is my very diplomatic reply to you. Hey, hey. That's not right. The diplomatic reply would be, please off. So you see there, he's a perfect stooge for the machine, right? First off, he misrepresents Elon Musk's, Musk's position. It's not that Russia gets everything they want. He's saying if they annex some of these places and the people there want the annexation, meaning to go back into Russia, and if Crimea is once again part of Russia, would this be okay so that we don't end up in a nuclear war? He's not saying it was necessarily the best thing. And also he was just floating an idea. But machine corporate comedian Stephen Colbert basically wants you to think that Elon Musk is a Russian stooge because he's trying to figure out an off-ramp for nuclear war. Again, Putin's got nukes. And the guy, when he's losing, what happens to an animal when it's, when it's cornered, right? It's wounded and it's cornered. It can only lash out. So Putin needs an off-ramp here. You may absolutely hate Putin. You may think he's the worst dude ever. You may might hate Russia. All of these things could all be very legit. You could think he's a bully and he has no right to any of that land or any of that stuff. But then there's also reality, which is just, oh, he's still got massive world altering weapons. Uh, well, when I talk about the machine and how the machine wants war, here is Joe Scarborough of MSNBC, the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, uh, with a very nuanced take on uh, what people who don't want war really are. Civilians, hey, freaks, fascist freaks on the right, there is no moral ambiguity here. There, there, there is no comparison between Russia and Ukraine. And, and you prove yourself to be the fascist that you are when you suggest the same. The official paper. You see what he did there? So if you kind of talk about, hey, can we figure out a way out of this? Not just make it really, oh, you, you're good and you're bad. Again, Russia started this thing. You cannot invade a sovereign nation. And we can talk about NATO at their borders and we can talk about Ukraine giving up nukes and all, all, there's all sorts of stuff that you can talk about historically. But the simple fact is, if you look at this thing and you go, good guy, bad guy, and if you don't agree with me, and if you don't join me on this road to World War III and dropping nukes, 
and usually when one nuke's dropped, another nuke's going to be dropped, um, then you're a fascist and a freak. And of course, he does this while holding up the New York Times. And of course, the New York Times is not a newspaper. It used to be known as all the news that's fit to print. It's now all the propaganda that's fit to print. But he holds it up because, well, I could hold up paper too. You're not going to believe this. I did this right before the show. I didn't even need you to help me with this one, guys. You suck, Joe. I put that on paper, thus obviously legit. Anyway, the fracas with all of this continued because a few hours after Elon Musk put up the first tweet and then the, you know, you saw the response and people are angry at him. And also I think the poll didn't uh, perhaps get the results that he wanted, right? Because more people said no to it than yes. So then he followed up. Here you go. He tried another poll. He said, let's try this then. The will of the people who live in Donbas and Crimea should decide whether they're part of Russia or Ukraine, yes or no. Meaning that if the people who live in these areas that were once under Russian control, if they decide by referendum, hey, we want to be back in Russia, is that cool? Well, here he got results, and the first poll had 2.7 million votes. This one had 2.4. 60% of people said yes. Uh, that may not make Zelensky happy. It may not make the warmongers happy but leaving it to the people on the ground. And I assure you guys, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have every little knowledge and nuance. And I assure you absolutely nobody on CNN or MSNBC does about what every, the, like the insider, every single person in Ukraine, what they think is best for their life and whether they should be part of Russia and Ukraine and all of those things. Anyway, let's bring this to the elderly man pretending to be president because he did a very long form interview with uh, Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday. Jake Tapper is a Democrat activist and they did a interview and obviously it was heavily edited and they don't do anything live. And of course he has notes and it's he's getting the questions in advance and all of that stuff. But Jake asked the elderly gentleman pretending to be president uh, if we would negotiate so we could avoid World War III. Look, we've taken a position. I just did a G7 meeting this morning. The idea, nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine. So I'm not about to, nor is anyone else prepared to negotiate with Russia about them staying in Ukraine, keeping any part of Ukraine, etc. Oh, okay. So we're just not going to negotiate. It seems to me that if you're not going to negotiate and the guy is already in Ukraine, and again, you know he's got the weapons and you know that he has, he needs an out here, right? So let's say, again, no, I'm giving no quarter to Putin here. A guy does a bad thing. Now he's in this country. Now the world is going after him. He knows if he just loses, if he just says, hey, we're pulling out and we lost and Russia lost and all that stuff, he's literally dead man walking. He, he will be dead. Much like Gaddafi ended up dead in Libya when a guy, when a mob chased him and literally a guy took a knife and jammed it up his ass. Yeah, there's video of it. It ain't pretty. Uh, but that is what would happen to Putin, right? He, and he knows that if he loses, it's like his, the show is over for this guy. So, so you have to negotiate with him. Why would you not sit down with him and say, here's the situation, man. Uh, NATO is not happy about this. The U.S. is not happy about this. Maybe you're a bit in over your head. It doesn't sound like the military operation is working the way you thought it was. Uh, Ukraine didn't just buckle over. The world has rallied around them. Uh, so perhaps... We should talk, but no, Joe says, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk. Okay, so you're guaranteeing that this thing gets worse. Let's revisit my analysis in a week and see if the thing is better 
or worse. Anywho, uh, what's Joe Biden really concerned about? Because they only talked about the war and potential nuclear holocaust for just a moment or two. What's he really concerned about? Well, it's climate because of these incompetent buffoons who can't do anything right here in the United States. Uh, if we just give them enough money, they will fix climate change and all that stuff. How much money exactly do they need and how much have we given already? Well, Joe summed it up quite nicely. We passed the, look, what I ran on, I said we're gonna deal with energy. Right. And, and the energy problem, we're gonna deal with the whole notion of global warming. We passed $368 billion worth of help, which, as the same bankers talk about, is going to bring a billion, a trillion, $700 million, billion dollars off the sidelines and invest. Phoenix, can you roll back so I can repeat exactly what he said there? Guys, we are going to somehow, out of the $368 billion that we put into climate change, and I'm sure that'll stop, you know, if you just throw cash at Mother Nature, she'll ease up. You know what I mean? She likes cash. Okay, but so we throw $368 billion at it, and how, what's the return on it? Guys, according to Joe Biden, we're gonna get a billion trillion times 50 million for climate change. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, I, like, I don't think that would work on a calculator, right? There's not enough numbers on there. One more time, it's a billion trillion times 50 million for climate change. That is a lot of zeros. Like, you gotta carry that one. You know what I'm saying? The man is an idiot. He is a complete buffoon and an idiot. But um, there are other people that uh, are realizing this besides me. So the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, and he's been a big player in our economy for many, many years. Joe Biden often quotes him as a friend and, a, and someone that he turns to for guidance and that understands the economy and all that. Well, even now, uh, he is going, Joe, you're kind of screwing up the whole freaking thing. There have been a lot of Lehman comparisons made in recent weeks and months with regards to the fallout from the energy crisis. You are the only Wall Street CEO who is around to navigate the global financial crisis. How worried are you about Europe this winter, given everything that's going on in Ukraine and with the energy supply? Well, I think we're getting energy completely wrong, which is, you know, ever since this war started, you've known that Europe is going to have a problem. And that it was pretty predictable that Putin was going to cut off some gas and certain oil and oil price would go up. And by the way, for the climate folks here, it's made the climate worse because people had this bad assumption that high oil prices and gas prices reduce consumption, reduce CO2. No, poor nations, India, China, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, are turning back on coal plants, as are rich nations called Germany, Netherlands, France. We have it completely backwards. And in my view, America should have been pumping more oil and gas. And it should have been supported. You know, we're trying to have our cake and eat it too a little bit. Okay, so before I get to uh, J.B. Diamond, and it's like, man, it's, it's just obvious. Like, again, it's, some of this is so obvious in politics. When someone is just reading talking points, often reading them poorly off a teleprompter, versus someone that is an expert in their field. You, you may not like J.B. Diamond, all of his uh, decisions related to what he's done with J.P. Morgan or whatever, but it's like the guy obviously knows what he's doing. But before I get to that, I tried to write out a billion, what was it, a billion trillion times 50 million, and I ran out of room on the paper. It's just, it's just a lot of zeros. I don't know what this number is, but I'm pretty sure it's not even the number that if Joe just had that much money, people, we could fix this thing. Anyway, Diamond makes a couple interesting points. One of the problems that we have in America is that we have an extremely myopic view of the world, that if only we, just gave more money to climate, we could fix the whole thing. As Diamond points out, you know, these other countries in other parts of the world, India, China, with all of these people, you know, there's a lot of people in India and China and they're going through their industrial revolutions 
in a, it, currently, while we did it, you know, say 50, 60, 70 years ago, they're turning to coal now. So we could do everything. We could do everything. You could never use a, a plastic straw again. And I hate those freaking, you know what I'm talking about? Those, those cardboard straws. And then you, have you been to the places where they have the, the pasta ones? They, I've been to a place, I think, I think it was, was it Italy maybe, where they had the pasta straw. So it works for a couple sucks and then you're just sucking on a wet noodle. Is that what you people want? You see what I'm saying? That's the future that Joe Biden wants. Everyone's gonna be sucking on wet noodles. Your, your water tastes like pasta. Calm down, Dave, okay. The point is that whether we do everything that AOC and Joe Biden wants and whether we wreck our economy in the name of green energy and all of those things, not only will it not fix anything, it will harm our economy and the rest of the world will still be using coal and fossil fuels and all of this stuff. So it's just like, it's just the fact that Diamond's even saying this, knowing that he is one of the guys that Biden is always referencing. Biden is always, my, my buddy, he says it all the time, my buddy, my friend, Jamie Dimon, he even said this. Well, I have a feeling that Joe Biden, if he's awake right now, is not too thrilled uh, with uh, Mr. Jamie Dimon. Anyway, let's, uh, let's continue because uh, Jake Tapper asked some other hard-hitting questions to the elderly man pretending to be president. He asked him about our recession or not recession, or is it a recession? Hmm. Midterm elections are four weeks from today. The economy remains top top of mind for voters. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO said the U.S. is likely to enter a recession in the next nine months. Bank of America says the U.S. could start losing 175,000 jobs a month. Gas prices are on the rise again. Should the American people prepare for a recession? No. Look, they've been saying this now how uh, every, every six months they say this. Every six months they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't been, there, there has, there is no there's no guarantee that they're going to be. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. Well, look, think about what's happened. We have done more. We're in a better position than any other major country in the world, economically and politically. We are. We still have real problems. But we, look, 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 what we, look what we got done. We, we, we passed so much legislation that significantly makes a, makes a point about, you know, for example, the American Rescue Plan, the, the legislation to deal with inflation, um, the, the Inflation Act. We moved along. I mean, there's so much that's been accomplished that the idea that there's uh, something, there's an automaticity to recession is just not, is just not there. They keep, they've been predicting this off and on for the last... But you just said that a slight recession is possible. It is possible. Look, it's possible. I don't anticipate it. Oh, he doesn't anticipate it, much like uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen hoped we weren't going to be in a recession. Okay, so technically, so first off, everything he said there is nonsense. Every single thing he said there is nonsense or a confusion or obfuscation of the truth. First off, we technically are in a, a recession right now. A recession, by every definition, until the last month, was two negative quarters, back-to-back -back quarters, of reduction in the GDP. We've already hit that. Uh, tomorrow, we will find out if it is a third quarter. So we're already in one, whether he calls it a little one or a tiny one or a teeny tiny little bitty recession. We are still in a recession. It just is. 
And then he talks about, you know, it's funny, he called it the Inflation Act. He forgot to say reduction. It was called the Inflation Reduction Act, but he actually was kind of honest there in his muddled nonsense. It's the Inflation Act because the Inflation Reduction Act, which was just the government spending a shit ton of money to devalue the dollar, thus pushing us further into a recession. Everyone knows this. And this is one of those things you don't need a high level analyst to tell you that things are not going well with the economy. All you have to do is try to buy a product and see how long it takes and how much it costs and our gas prices high and all of these things. Like there are basic truths that you can figure out without a lot of, uh, you know, poli-sci going into it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Uh, but speaking of high-level analysis, uh, here is noted black lesbian Corinne Jean-Pierre, who yesterday spent most of her time on at the podium telling her coming out story because it was National Coming Out Day, although I'm pretty sure every other day is National Coming Out Day. You guys have anything to tell me, by the way? Nothing, got nothing out of these two. Uh, anyway, Corinne Jean-Pierre, here she is. Uh, just This is just sort of general nonsense related to Biden and the economy. Director of Research with their report, their global report came out. He said that the three largest economies in the world, the US, China, and the Eurozone will oh, stall will stall next year. And so I'm wondering if the president bears any responsibility with his policies for the inflation and, and what they're calling a stalling economy. Okay, we got to step back here and look at what the president walked into here, right? When you think about the night, the, the, we've been here for about 20 months. When he walked in, businesses were closed. Small businesses were closing down. Schools were not open. And we were in a, in a pandemic, during a pandemic or at the beginning of a pandemic where thousands of people were dying. <laughs> That's what the president walked into. What he did is put forth the American Rescue Plan, which, by the way, was only voted by Democrats, that was able to turn back on our economy. Again, it's just, it's always dancing around the truth with them. They, they cannot say anything true, like really honest and true. Uh, is it true that we were in a pandemic when Biden came in? Yeah. And is it true that the uh, economy was hurting? Yeah. Who was it that was mostly locking people down? Who was it that was mostly making sure that people couldn't go to work and that schools were closed? It was Democrats. It was Democrat-run cities. It was Democrat-run states. The few bastions of freedom where they kept things open and they let people make decisions for themselves and they kept kids in school where they weren't gonna be infected. You know, why is it that we didn't have one insane outbreak of COVID at a scary Floridian school? Why didn't that happen? I don't know. Uh, she also talks about uh, the thousands and thousands of deaths that were happening before Biden. Uh, we pulled the numbers. Uh, Trump, uh, you know how many people died under Trump in the same amount of time? So COVID was, you know, a year plus with Trump. Uh, 400,000. You know how many have died since Biden has taken over from, co from COVID? And of course, these numbers, when they tell you someone died from COVID, usually it's because they tripped uh, when they fell into a ditch somewhere and then they also had COVID. But anyway, 500,000 people have died from COVID under Biden, 400 under Trump. Uh, Biden had also tweeted when he was running for president that if anyone, 
if, if you had that many people had died, that the person's not worthy of being president, so he should probably step down. Anyway, the point is, it's, it's all nonsense out of these people. She knows that the economy is not good. And then what, they always do the same thing because Biden did it in that interview right there, which is, but we passed the Inflation Reduction Act. We did all this stuff. Yes, we agree you are doing bad stuff. Guys, there's a sh real shitty problem here. We got a real problem with something. Well, we signed our name on something. Could somebody give us credit for signing our name on something? We put our names on a piece of paper and did something. That doesn't mean what you did was good but that's what they're really good at. We called it the Inflation Reduction Act, guys. It obviously is reducing inflation. <laughs> anyway, so the point is, between Ukraine sort of spinning out of control, between the economy deflating, between the fact that nobody thinks that Biden is competent and all that stuff, well, what are they gonna do? Because we got about three weeks before the midterms. What are they gonna do? Yeah, you got it. They're gonna call us racist. When a Democrat says something racist or anti-Semitic, we would, we, we hold them, we hold Democrats accountable. When a MAGA Republican says something uh, racist and, or anti-Semitic, they are embraced by cheering crowds and become celebrated and sought after endorsements. Senator Tuberville, let's not forget, this just happened, uh, saying black people uh, commit crimes. Okay, so first off, no, the Democrats do not call out racism and anti-Semitism. Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib are literally the two biggest, let's say, Jew haters. I don't like the word anti-Semitism. Like, they have an obsession with that tiny little country that Jews live in. They don't care whether hate crimes are up against Jews and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't fit into the intersectional calculator. The Democrats, they're the ones that are importing all of the racism, the neo-racism of equity and making sure that we discriminate against Asian people and that people get jobs based on skin color and all of those things. So they are the modern racists. The idea that people are being applauded at Republican rallies for saying racist or anti-Semitic things, uh, you did your homework last night, right? Did we find any video on that? We could not find any videotape on that. Now we'll keep looking for those moments where someone at a Republican rally says something racist and is applauded. She references Tuberville there saying that uh, black people commit crimes. Um, yeah, you know, it is true that people of all colors commit crimes um, and sometimes that includes black people. So, you know, saying that say black people are shooting black people in Chicago and nobody cares about it, um, that is not racist. But every time a Republican, you know, they'll go crazy. If a white cop shoots a black person, we can burn down a city, destroy Pep Boys, take it out at your local Target. Uh, you know, if a black guy shoots 10 people in Chicago, shh, you talk about that, you racist. Anyway, it continues on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. Here's uh, correspondent David Jolly. <laughs> Politically, David I think what you're seeing is where we thought they would be going into November being able to run solely on inflation, it's not fully working. And so in Republican politics, the issue of crime and the issue of immigration have long been proxies for race, for playing the race card, for trying to scare voters to vote Republicans because of the encroachment of black and brown people. Ooh, <laughs> you see the way they frame it. You see the, oh man. I love it because once you see it, you'll never unsee it. In Republican politics, if you care about immigration or crime, that's code for racism. If you don't want just thousands and thousands, actually it's over 2 million people, just bashing through the border in this calendar year alone, you're a racist. If you don't want grandma 
to be mugged and raped by a gang of lunatics while trying to get on the New York City subway. You're a racist. That's why they talk about these things, because they're racist. It's not because they want law and order or they want to be able to go to the store without being mugged or raped or peed on or whatever else is going on in New York City and other Democrat-run cities. It's really because they're racists and it's code for racism, duh. More from MSNBC. Boy, we're really bludgeoning these people today. Uh, this is Andrea Mitchell and Kimberly Atkins, uh, run, you know, basically explaining how Republicans are scaring the hell out of you. Has this become normalized among Republican leaders because they're so eager to win the Senate? I think it has. It has been normalized. And of course, we've seen the former president using uh, racist uh, language to, to describe, describe black and brown people as criminals for years now, ever since the 2016 election. So it also isn't new, but it's of a piece with what we're seeing across the state. Not everybody is using as patently racist language as Tommy Tuberville, but even in that debate uh, in Ohio uh, between uh, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan, we, we saw J.D. Vance harping on the issue of crime and talk, and linking it to things like illegal immigration. Those are the types of issues, the things that drive fear among voters that Republicans think they have been very successful with in the past. Those freaking Republicans always harping on crime. Now, it's interesting what she's talking about there. We showed you the clip of this yesterday, actually, is that there was this uh, 10-year-old girl in Ohio who was raped by an illegal immigrant. So it brought up the issue of both abortion and illegal immigration. Uh, J.D. Vance basically said, if we would do something about the border, then we wouldn't have illegals here in here raping 10-year-olds. Yeah, but these freaking Republicans, just because it's not safe in your community and occasionally they burn down all the stores and they mug people left and right and they defund the police, just because they do all, you don't have to say it, you racist. It's so stupid. It's so extraordinarily stupid. By the way, please somebody, and again, Phoenix, I want you to get to your computer after this. I want to find all that racist talk that uh, Donald Trump was always doing because that's what she's referring to right there. You may remember Donald Trump in his State of the Union talking about lowest all-time black unemployment and the Congressional Black Caucus. Sitting there like this, because we don't like you, orange man, even if our people have more jobs. Ridiculous. Uh, so what is their last shot as the economy goes down, which they're in charge of, and as Ukraine seems to spin out of control, well, I suppose we could always bring back COVID. And we are carefully monitoring the rise of several subvariants that are evolving rapidly and emerging around the world, including ones that evade some of our treatments. <laughs> Guys, the subvariants are coming and our vaccine that doesn't work, it still maybe isn't gonna work. And there's, oh, lordy, lordy. The fact that they're even discussing this again is so grotesque and is such a dereliction of all of their duties and all of they have is fear and everything else. Uh, this is a great segue actually to a, a, an incredible story that mainstream is barely going to touch. Uh, this is a member of European parliament. His name is Rob Roos. Uh, and he is full on exposing the Pfizer director uh, and showing that the vaccine was never tested for transmissibility, meaning it was never tested to see if once you were vaxxed, whether you were gonna send COVID to someone else. Oh, but six feet and masks and all that. Take a look at this, it's incredible. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. 
you don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. Mevrouw Small, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Wow. We had to move at the speed of science. We had to get you freaks to inject yourselves with our fake vaccine, in essence, fake vaccine, because then it would be the only way we would know what it would do to you. Would it have side effects? Would it work? Would you have heart problems? How the hell are we supposed to know? We got to get that shit out to you. You got to inject yourself with it. And if you don't, we're also going to make sure that you can't work and you can't be part of polite society. And up in Canada, maybe we'll freeze your bank accounts or not let you out of the country. That is so incredible what just happened there. It's so incredible. It's, I, I'm, I'm actually almost speechless. They did not know whether the vaccine, which was being mandated and forced on all of us and shutting down the world for two years, they did not know whether it was going to stop people from giving COVID to other people. And it turns out it didn't even stop people from getting COVID themselves. It is actually incredible. Uh, so here now is a video compilation of Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla. And this guy, if there is justice in the world, will end up in jail. Uh, but he's made a shit ton of money over the last couple of years and was, and was treated like a king and brought on every news show and everything else. Uh, this is a compilation video over time of him basically admitting that the vaccines don't work. This is really incredible. A lot of indications right now that uh, are telling us that there is uh, uh, a protection against uh, transmission of the disease. There is no variant that we have identified that escapes the protection of our vaccine. COVID to come now with a treatment of 90% effectiveness, you know, personally makes me a lot very proud about. Uh, and we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a the booster, they offer reasonable protection. It is necessary a fourth boost right now. The protection that you are getting from the third, it is good enough, actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not that good against infections, but doesn't lie. Man, we really should call this the speechless show because what else can I add to this? Do you get that? Uh, that, by the way, is there's a guy on Twitter. It's Mazemore. You, you see his watermark on there. Uh, we show his videos often. He's doing great work, but like that guy should be in jail. And that woman who was testifying should probably be in jail too. These people should not be members of polite or even impolite society anymore. They forced millions and millions of people all over the world to get injected with something that they don't know exactly what it did nor exactly what it might do to you after. And we'll get to that 
in just a moment. But when you watch that video, that con oh, it works perfectly. It works absolutely perfect. Ah, it works about 90%. Oh, you know, you're going to need two. And what, what was the line? If at all, he says, was it if at all, if at all, no, fourth booster. And you guys, you're not going to believe this. When these people get these vaccines and the boosters and everything, someone has to pay for it, whether it's you privately out of your pocket or an insurance company or, or a government. And uh, yeah, Pfizer's stock is going to go through the roof. And oh, yeah, that guy just happens to own a lot of the stock. Here in Florida, we have some sane people. Uh, and uh, I was going to say at the top of the list, but we, since we have a lot, there's a, there's a big top here. Uh, on the list of sane people. Our Surgeon General is a guy I've mentioned him a couple of times before. I think we're gonna get him on the show soon, hopefully. Uh, Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Latipo. He joined the DeSantis administration in the middle of COVID and Governor DeSantis has repeatedly said it was one of the best decisions he ever made because it gave him the confidence to go ahead and make sure that they weren't gonna lock down and kick kids out of school and shut everybody down and all of that stuff. Well, Latipo went on Tucker a day or two ago uh, referencing a study that the state of Florida did uh, talking about how, or the study was looking into what the repercussions were gonna be after especially young men took the vaccine. So yes. I ask people sometimes who are still he you know, hemming and hawing about this, if this, if this vaccine, if it had been known two years ago or so that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men by 84%, would they have approved it? The obvious answer is no, you would never give something to someone who was young and healthy and increase their risk of dying from, card from sudden cardiac death by 84%. But people are often, their response is, well, you know, I don't know, COVID's pretty bad. Yes, COVID can be terrible, but we don't give people medications that kill them. Yeah, we, that's generally not what medications are for, to kill you. Uh, but there is this mass, 84, 84, right? Like this is, this is not, these are not small numbers that we're dealing with here. Uh, as you may remember from our show a day or two ago, I think it was yesterday actually, um, Latipo posted this, he posted the full paper, the full research paper on Twitter. He was then banned from Twitter. It was only after pushback that they let him back on. But the real question is whether they shadow ban it or don't let people see it or why was he banned in the first place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you knew that there would be this spike in heart issues with young men who are otherwise healthy, would you have gotten the vaccine? And now knowing that they didn't even know what the vaccine did. And when you watch that video of the Pfizer CEO over time, admitting that none of this shit worked, do you, do you, I mean, how much more do I have to put on a silver plate for you people? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So the, the fact is, guys, we've got two choices in November. And it's, it's sane or insane, right? It's sanity or complete insanity. That's really where we're at. And they are going to scare the hell out of you. If you think that what they've done with COVID and lockdowns and Ukraine and nuclear, they have to ramp it all up now. They have to because there's nothing else. And by the way, let me say, I, I, and I often say this, but 
I would love if there was something else. Imagine if there were a whole bunch of sane Democrats that maybe I disagreed with on their, their scope of what the government should do or what taxation was or whatever, but they really were there to try to fix problems and not just lie about everything. Not only would I love to have them on the show, I think we could find common ground and it would be all good. That actually is sort of what my conversation with Bill Maher was all about, right? We're kind of within 30% of all of these things. Now, I, I think over time I can perhaps move Bill a little more to our side, let's say, and hopefully he'll, he'll stop voting for the people who do all this stuff. But the point is there's nobody left, everyone top down, whether it's this uh, Pfizer CEO, whether it's the president of the United States, the spokesman for these people, the people who are coming up with the vaccines, they have lied about absolutely everything. So all they can do is ramp it up, make it seem like racists are coming to get you and they're going to drop a nuclear bomb on your head and everything else. Oh, and of course that they're going to steal more elections and democracy must be saved because a couple grandmas wandered into the Capitol a couple years ago. Here's MSNBC's Nicole Wallace using fear. The reason I started by asking if we'd ever been here before is because I think as a country, we all have to participate in it. Because if you have kids, your kids wake up if you have anything to do with an election, if you're an election worker or a news anchor, and they want to know what happened. And I think we have to have a conversation as a country about how we might not know the next morning what happened. We might not know the day after that. And that is their point. That is their point. They're not all running to win. Some of them will, unfortunately. They are running to sow discord in America. And it will change everything. We will wake up the morning after election day. We might not even call it that anymore in two years. We might not call it election day. We might call it election week. Because what we are watching, and because it's so slow, it's so slow, we don't cover it as a five-alarm fire, but it is. We are watching Republicans not just destroying democracy in the dark, breaking into election officers and plugging stuff in. We're watching them do it from rally stages, debate stages. That's where they're doing it. And, and I guess the reason I asked you if we'd been here before is, do you think it requires, you know, a democracy commission? Should, should, should President Obama ask Chris Christie and Ben Ginsburg to sort of man a democracy hotline the way, you know, people used to man other crises? I mean, what should we do? Well, um, it, it doesn't take a commission. It just takes Republicans that have some character and integrity standing up. Guys, if I heard Nicole Wallace correctly, Republicans broke into something and plugged something in. I don't know what it was. It could have been an iPhone charger. No idea. They could have been recharging their vibrator. I, I don't know. Republicans don't have vibrators. What kind of show is this? Look, I don't know what the hell the Republicans plugged in in this place that they broke into, but they're running to sow discord is what she says. And, and if you saw the Chiron on that, they were mostly talking about the Arizona race. The Arizona race, which we've talked a lot about here and I've had Blake Masters on the show. Blake is a freaking decent dude. He is a friend. He opened for me at, at my Arizona show, my Phoenix show when I was on the book tour. Uh, I know him rather well. I've been to some of the fundraisers. He cares about his family. He's got three young kids. He cares about the border. Um, he even, although as he mentions, he has a personal belief that is pro-life, but he's willing to make a 15-week compromise. He doesn't want illegals running all over the place. Like, But he's running to sow discord. That's what they want. That's what they want you to think. They just want you to think that we're all racist. We're all mean. And then what's going to happen? What's going to happen on the day after the election? You know, and this is not to excuse anyone that did anything illegal on January 6th. It really is not. You were allowed to peacefully protest, of course, and the cops were letting people in. There's all, the whole thing is a cluster F of, of insanity. 
But what do you think is going to happen the day after the election if there's a red sweep? And the entire machine from Colbert, and of course, you know, it starts with Biden and the administration and, and all their spokespeople calling everyone racist and mean and all that and fascists. Uh, but then, you know, Colbert, Nicole Wallace, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times. Well, if they've for now two years, well, it's many more than two years, but the two years of the Biden administration, but you go four years before that, and you could probably even go before that. If they've run around calling everybody racist and now the racists are in charge, you think they might bring back that summer of love? You think this explains why it turns out that liberals have far more mental disorders than conservatives? Because they have them completely bamboozled in an imaginary world of their own mind. So who are these Republicans that they're talking about, these mean Republicans? Well, I, I live in a pretty red state that I'm sure is about to get way redder when we have our gubernatorial election in a couple weeks. Uh, and things are going pretty well here. Uh, I see black people and white people walking down the street together, often in harmony, singing songs. Everybody's happy here, the economy's chugging along. But so there must be mean Republicans. These, and, they, and they all must be just so mean and all that stuff. Well, uh, we found this video about a very mean Republican. I get asked all the time, who is Ron DeSantis? Well, he's the kid who grew up right here in Florida, working his tail off, paying his own way through school, then volunteering to serve in the Navy and deploying to Iraq. He's the man who I fell in love with from the moment we met. And he's the dad of three very rambunctious, energetic children. Mamie, our two-year-old little comedian, Madison, our beautiful, sweet five-year-old, and Mason, our four-year-old athlete. But if you want to know who Ron DeSantis really is, when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was facing the battle for my life, he was the dad who took care of my children when I couldn't. He was there to pick me off of the ground when I literally could not stand. He was there to fight for me when I didn't have the strength to fight for myself. That is who Ron DeSantis is. Pretty scary. Pretty scary, this guy. And these Republicans just kind of want to limit government a little bit, let you make choices for yourself, not force you to get injected with things that don't work. They are scary. They are racist. The choice is yours, people. I'm just trying to lay it out for a couple weeks before the election that it's just going to get crazier and just stay cool, stay calm, stay collected. And uh, as, as the girls say, we got this. Uh, stick around for a cold close, but let's get to some comments from the locals community. EK says, the mainstream media can't think without a government-sponsored teleprompter. Isn't it true? It's just like when you watch Colbert go off on Elon Musk because he's talking about peace, whether you think his peace idea is bad or not, but he goes off on him in the implication that he's a Russian agent. Or when you see just two days before that, he brings on Fauci and they laugh and they make jokes about how Fauci doesn't want kids to cough on him despite being 18 times vaxxed. And Fauci also got COVID a few times during that. So he should have some antibodies and all of those things. It's like, yeah, they can't do any of this without a teleprompter. Of course, you know, you watch Corinne Jean-Pierre, you watch Biden. One of the things we didn't show you, because I just thought it would be a little gratuitous, is during that interview, with Jake Tapper, Biden's notes actually fall off his lap. I don't know why he has notes. Shouldn't he just know what he's talking about and be able to sit there and have an interview, right? You have, you have notes if you're the interviewer so you can get to the questions you want to get to. Maybe you need to know some numbers, but his notes literally fell out of his lap and, and Tapper picked them up for him. Uh, e says, Colbert isn't even funny. How is he still on the air? Be well, it's exactly what I've been talking about. He gives the machine what it wants. And then at, the thing is, when you give the machine what you want, at some point, the machine will just be done with you. 
because the machine will go on. That's, that's sort of what I would call like the Brian Stelter effect, right? Stelter never did anything honest, didn't hold the media to account, was a Democrat activist, was all for all of the bad ideas. And then finally enough people were like, yeah, this potato is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous, this is a ridiculous baked potato. Uh, and then the machine's just like, yeah, we're done with you. But then what happens? Because democratic privilege is the only pr privilege that truly exists in the United States. He gets a gig teaching about media at Harvard. You can't make it up. Math says nuclear bomb drills will be the new form of lockdowns. Yeah, I think there's some version of that that is probably right. Let's not forget kids that grew up, you know, only, what is it, 50, 60, 70 years ago during World War II uh, we're told, I mean, I remember my dad telling me about this when they were in elementary school and, you know, they would tell you what to do in case of nuclear fallout and stand in between the, the, the door and get under your desk and all of that stuff. Hint, it doesn't work. Um, yes, they will try to scare the hell out of people with that, just like they use lockdowns. They, they will also try to tell you that climate change, if you keep using your car and you keep eating meat and all of these things that you are going to destroy the environment and just guys, just give them more of your money. Give them more of your money and more of your resources and don't do stuff that makes you happy. Don't worry, they'll be eating Wagyu. They're gonna get the Japanese A5, which is, it's, just, it's like butter. It really is. If you get a nice Japanese, I'm gonna get one for you guys. I usually do the filet mignon with you guys. We smoke it. I'm gonna get a nice Japanese A5. I'm telling you, it's so buttery, you can only eat one piece. You're gonna love it. Guys, don't forget to like and subscribe to all of our channels, especially Ruben uh, Rumble dot com slash Ruben Report and RubenReport.com slash Locals. Part one of my interview with Megan Kelly is up across platforms. The full thing's up at Locals right now. And we leave you with a cold close juxtaposing the orange man and the elderly man. See you tomorrow. If you're a middle-class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires, they're bald because we have to wait another month or so. We talk about statement. North Korea. Me, just I do want to second, turn to please. 10 seconds, Mr. President, That's 10 a seconds. That's political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks, the family, around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk I'm about North Korea. I'm not a typical Korea. politician. Okay, That's President. why I got elected. Come on, Joe, you can we're, do better. I grew up in a family where when the price of gasoline went up at the pump, it was a conversation at the kitchen table with my dad. Where prices went up for things were daily requirements like the gallon of gasoline. It became a discussion at the kitchen table. It mattered. You felt it. It was a discussion at the kitchen table. You felt it. It was a discussion at the kitchen table. Around your kitchen table. On our kitchen table. Felt at the kitchen table. Around the kitchen table. And around our kitchen tables. Around the kitchen table in the morning. Feel it in your own lives. Around the kitchen table. Talk about around your kitchen table. And I learned that at uh, the kitchen table in Scranton. My dad used to say, at the end of the day, it's just when you sit at that table. Come on, Joe, you could do better. We're going to talk about North Korea now. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.